Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Thursday, July 13th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The Cardinals open the second half of the baseball season tomorrow night, and the last place team has dug itself into a big hole. The best way for them to get out of it is to sort of do the unthinkable in St. Louis, which is to punt on 2023, use the deadline to rebolster the roster, and come back in contention for 2024. We'll speak with a baseball beat writer about the state of the Cardinals in just a few minutes. The Missouri Supreme Court is considering a case that could sharply curtail the authority of local health departments to deal with public health emergencies. As St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports, yesterday's oral arguments focused on who has the right to appeal. In December 2020, several St. Louis County businesses upset with local COVID restrictions sued the Missouri Department of Health. They argued that state regulations the county was using to implement those restrictions were invalid. A judge agreed and threw them out. The attorney general decided not to appeal. A group of local governments then tried unsuccessfully to join the case and save the regulations, some of which have been around since the 1940s. Their attorney, Neil Perryman, says they are not just about COVID mandates. The state set up a system where there was fast action in local areas to deal with things like Ebola or COVID. Spanish flu. Let's hope we don't have this again for 100 years. The court will issue its opinion at a later date. In Jefferson City, I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Congresswoman Cori Bush and other Democrats are hosting a roundtable Monday about the abortion medication Mifepristone. She wants to help dispel misinformation. Bush says people must know about the pill and bans to understand how to access what they need. We need those who may one day need the services to hear this, but we also need their parents to know. We also need their spouses, their partners to know so that they can properly help them. She made the comments on St. Louis on the air. Bush says the discussion could help more people get abortion medication where it's legal. Federal investigators are reporting more than 400 arrests and the seizure of nearly 120 firearms as part of a three-month operation in southern Illinois, including parts of the Metro East. The United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Illinois says Operation Triple Beam Piazza was designed to address violence, gang activity, and reduce violent crime during the summer. It focused on Madison and St. Clair counties along with the counties in the Centralia area. Authorities say they also seized 13 vehicles and roughly 330 pounds of illegal drugs. The Missouri Highways and Transportation Commission has approved some of the first steps in the state's plan to expand I-70. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. The agreement between the Department of Transportation and the Office of Administration essentially initiates a transfer authority of $1.4 billion. That money would go towards a special fund designated for the I-70 expansion, which is set to take approximately six to seven years. Dustin Boatwright, vice chair of the commission, said the funding for I-70, as well as millions for low-volume roads and railroad crossings, are an investment. Lots of foresight by the General Assembly and For us to invest these excess funds that we have is such a smart thing and something that is going to pay us back for generations. The remaining $1.4 billion in project funding will likely be paid through a bonding authority. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. 
Researchers are starting to look into how the Mississippi River system contributes to climate change. A key source is methane, which can be released from reservoirs behind the dozens of dams along the river. Jonathan Remo is an associate professor at Southern Illinois University Carbondale who studies the human impact on rivers. He says those dams facilitate the barge industry, which often touts its lower carbon footprint. That may be true on a per-mile basis that barges produce less greenhouse gases, but overall, you know, we've fundamentally altered the Mississippi River system, and how has that changed the greenhouse gas production of the Mississippi River system? Remo says he's developing a model to estimate the annual and historical methane emissions from altering the Mississippi River. A pay-what-you-can grocery store in South St. Louis is closing after three years in business. St. Louis Public Radio's Lily Halloran reports Marsh Grocery and Diner aimed to address food insecurity in the city. Beth Neff is a founding member of the grant-funded food cooperative. She says she hoped the location in Carondelet would provide low-income residents access to quality food, natural food, organic food. Um, those kinds of things are usually only found in, you know, upscale neighborhoods. So we wanted to uh, shift the model and make the best quality foods available to the lowest income people. Neff says there weren't enough customers to sustain the store after it ran out of grant money. The nonprofit received funding from the USDA and other sources. The cafe and market will close July 22nd. Neff says Marsh will offer steep discounts until then. I'm Lily Halloran, St. Louis Public Radio. The last place St. Louis Cardinals have plenty of work ahead of them during the second half of the Major League Baseball season. The Athletics Cardinals beat writer Katie Wu took some time to speak with me about the rough first half and what to expect in the next few months. The Cardinals are at the All-Star break, 14 games below 500, their lowest winning percentage since 1990, 11 and a half games out of first, 11 games out of a wild card spot. So Katie, what's gone wrong? I think the answer to that question is a little bit of everything. When you are the Cardinals and you're so used to this winning culture they've established for a long, long time in St. Louis, you certainly don't expect to be a last place team, especially to this degree. But the Cardinals came into the season. Yes, they were the the division champions last year, but they had some significant holes in their roster and some players they were betting on. Uh, takes me back to January when President of Baseball Operations John Moselock identified some of those guys they were counting on. He mentioned Jack Flaherty, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. And the reality is a lot of those guys haven't performed up to the expectations, but it certainly isn't all up on those guys' faults. It's a team-wide overall just complete disappointment. And I think if you ask anyone on that roster, they're just as stunned to be where they are as the fan base is. Are there indications this can turn around? I think the Cardinals haven't fully given up. Really, Wayne, in my opinion, I think the Cardinals have dug themselves into a pretty big hole, and the best way for them to get out of it is to sort of do the unthinkable in St. Louis, which is to punt on 2023, use the deadline to rebolster the roster and come back in contention for 2024. This has certainly not been a season any of us were expecting in St. Louis, but sometimes Drastic times call for drastic measures, and I think that's where the Cardinals front office finds themselves this July. So how drastic does it go? Is manager Oliver Marmel's job safe? I would think so, and I know that might not be a popular answer to the fan base, but really... 
the question that I think we should be asking is what is that coaching staff supposed to do with a roster that has so many holes? I think this is more of a roster construction problem. And I think the front office has, has identified that as well. Did you notice any positives from the first half? The abundance of young talent the Cardinals have. It's good talent. This isn't fluke in their player development. The talents that arrived at the big leagues can help them get talent that they need. They need some proven veteran presence in that roster. And I think, you know, you have that with Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, but they need a little bit more players like that that can really bolster a team around. The Cardinals have that talent, which means they should be in a good position to swing some trades should they need to. And I would certainly expect them to do that come this trade deadline. What's your assessment of the mood in the locker room? You know, I would like to give some of the guys, really the the guys that have been there all season, a testament to just how calm and collected they've been during what has probably been one of the most frustrating times of their careers. I walk in each day and everyone's doing their best to be in good moods. They're pleasant. They're down to talk. They're happy to have any kind of interview or engagement. And then when the game starts, you can see it suddenly shifts to when they're cool, calm, and collected, if you will, before the game to all of a sudden completely unraveling. And then after the game, it's still the same level of shock and surprise. And how can we be this bad? How do we keep finding ways to lose? I think throughout the organization, whether you're a player, a coach, or a front office executive, you're adjusting to this overall shock that this team just isn't good. The Cardinals have not had a losing season under John Moselock's tenure for the entire 15 years he's been the head of the helm. So I think it's safe to say the organization is moving in uncharted territory. What are the main things you are going to be watching for the rest of the season? If the Cardinals are fully out of contention, which it's looking that they will be, I'm looking at some of the younger pitching talent because the Cardinals don't have any pitching other than Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz in the rotation for 2024. And Wayne, obviously, you cannot get through a baseball season with two starters. We said this for years. The Cardinals' biggest weakness is their pitching that I think has plagued them the most this season. So when I'm looking in the second half, I'm looking to see what can they do to shore up that pitching because it's very clear their current model will not be sustainable in that regard. Katie Wu, the Cardinals beat writer for The Athletic. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Wayne. I appreciate it. The Cardinals start the second half of the season at home tomorrow night against Washington. A big thanks to Jonathan All for his editing skills on that report. Ashley Lusenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.